Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Craig Ellingson, and this is the Oil Spills Podcast. It's Thursday, May 3rd, 2018. With me in the Edmonton Journal studio today is Jim Matheson and Rob Dijkowski, beat writers covering the Edmonton Oilers. We'll talk about the biggest news this week in Oilers land, the signing of Miko Koskinen, a Finnish goalie who has spent the last six years in the KHL and who will be 30 years old by the time training camp rolls around in September. Who is this guy, and why sign him to be the backup to push starter Cam Talbot? We'll also touch on the Oilers' coaching situation, and who might be in line to become Todd McClellan's new assistants. And we'll delve into the Tom Wilson suspension debates, and remember the architect of the New York Islanders' Stanley Cup dynasty, Bill Torrey. Welcome, gentlemen, to the podcast. Um, I will tell you right now, this is the very first time we've done a podcast in May for this Oil Spills Oilers podcast. So, welcome. And There was a lot of other years when the Oilers were out of the playoffs, we didn't have a podcast? Well, we know we didn't do one last year, and the Oilers were, we did, I mean, the Oilers were in the playoffs last year, but we didn't do a podcast in May. I think we're just too darn busy. Too darn busy. You guys were always on the road and always at the rink. And, you know, we had, and, you know, this is a little bit inside baseball for people who might be listening, but they like listening to inside baseball. And, by the way, I'm wearing a baseball cap if, you, if you're if you not watching on the video. But, um, you know, we're handling Calgary copy at the same time, too. So, no time to do a podcast, my goodness. But now we have a little more time, and nobody's in the playoffs, and so here we are. Anyways, let's talk about Oilers news. Um, I did bring up baseball before though because I'm wearing a baseball cap today it's casual Thursday here at the office but you're pretty casual very casual that's, today that's that actually has, says that's more about farm, my laundry situation farm boy casual today very yeah Hutterite casual I would say <laughs> um yeah well ah, skip the baseball go to hockey um the big news this week of course Miko Koskinen was signed by the Oilers uh, free agent goaltender from uh, the KHL via Finland, where he's from. What do you guys think of it? Uh, I think it's a reach myself. He seems like a nice guy on the phone when I talk to him. Well, he has a long reach. He's six foot seven. I know. 
Um, it, it, that's the way the off season is going. You're all excited about the backup goaltender, right. you, not Cam Talbot, the starting goalie. I think I'd be more concerned with Cam getting back to the way Cam can play than the backup goalie. But um, it's a lot of money for a backup goalie, two and a half million dollars. When normally they bring in a backup goalie for a million, but uh, they must think this this Koskinen can push Cam a little bit and play twenty to twenty five games. And, and uh, the only guy in the city that wants to play all eighty two is Cam. And the coaches don't want them playing all that many, mm-hmm. so they got to find somebody that can. Can I think they got to find somebody that can play for three weeks in a row? If say Cam Talbot got hurt, and it wouldn't be a, a large drop off. Last year, Brissois tried, and and uh, they didn't feel he was up to the task, and they didn't win a lot of games. Yeah, I think if you're paying two and a half for a backup goalie, I think this is kind of a, a loud and clear signal that they're thinking he might be more than a backup goalie, that he is basically auditioning for, you know, Cam Talbot's job. If Cam Talbot stumbles next year, they're looking for somebody who can take that position. It's like hiring the assistant coach who is a former head coach, looking over the guy's shoulder the whole time. If you're playing 2.5 for a backup, I think the Oilers are saying to to the backup and to Cam Talbot, like, you know, you, you need to get back to the Cam Talbot of old because we're, we have a guy here that we hope can be the starter for this team. And then, you know, everything will fall out uh, uh, next summer, you know, once everything plays out. But uh, it's it's not just if, it, if they brought him in strictly to be a backup, play 18 to 20 games, it's a pretty gross overpayment. And this team's history with goalies is frankly just not good. Like, I, I have a list here. I compiled this the, yesterday. Or you the knew day. I was going to ask I this knew question. That, I knew they were going. Here are the goalies that the Oilers have guessed wrong on over the, since 2007. Matthew Garon, Jeff Delorier, Martin Gerber, Yan Denis, Victor Fast, Jason LaBarbera, Ilya Brzezgalov, Lauren Brissant, Richard Backman, Jonas Gustafsson, Al Montoya, Nikolai Habibulin, and they send away Devin Dubnik and Anders Nielsen. So the organization's history when it comes to goalies is a little spotty. So them paying two and a half for an unproven KHLer, is is a bit of a red flag. Maybe they're right this time. It's been a different regime, but a lot of the pro scouts are still the same. If it works out great, if it doesn't, it's uh, it's a risky move for a team that's already up against the cap. Well, they're up against. I, I the the question I have is there there are going to be a few free agent NHL goalies available on July first. Yeah, guys, you know mm-hmm. about guys you already know about, and if if Carter Hutton is probably the best of them, uh, he might cost as much as Koskinen, to be honest. But you could sign Peter Mrazek for a million dollars. You know, he's been, he's played in the NHL yeah, for quite a proven some time. NHL goalie. He's an NHL goalie. You could sign him for a million and save a million and a half and use that for something else. So they must have seen something with this guy, uh, as Rob says, to push Cam Talbot and play at least 25 games. Yeah. And uh, and if, if, if he plays 25 to 30 games, great. I mean, then you're you're not wearing out your starting goalie, and then they'll see something in him that maybe he's a starting goalie in the in the NHL. It's never too late. He's only 29, turning 30. He's not like he's 35. Well, and you talked to him yesterday. I mean, he said other teams had contacted him about you know obviously coming to the NHL and playing, but he didn't feel that he wanted to leave yet. So I don't know if that means anything. I mean, if he's that good. And the you know, money talks, I would think, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much he was making in the KHL or what the situation was for him wanting to stay there for such a long time if he's that good. And you were talking about the KHL, too, a very defensive league. A lot story. of stats look good in that. that oh, yeah. It's a I mean, everybody seems to have a 199 goal average and a 930 save percentage. Uh, you know, uh, so 
I think I'm a little leery about that. A lot of two one games over there. Uh, you won't see all that many two one games playing in a Western Conference. I don't think uh, as a goaltender. So, and he's a, a little apprehensive himself. He said, you know, I haven't been in the league for a long time. I was not very good when I was here the first time. You know, the league just overwhelmed him. I wasn't. I hadn't had enough pro games, and one of the reasons I didn't come over was because the team I was playing on was so strong in the KHL. He's making good money. He's playing with Datsuk and Kovalchuk and lots of NHL players in probably the nicest city, you know, most beautiful city in uh, Russia. So, and a powerhouse team. So he didn't want to come over. Eventually, you can only say no so 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 many times when teams are calling, and I think he's now sharing the goaltending with another goalie in in uh, St. Petersburg, the Ranger draft this past season. So maybe he thought next year that younger goalie would be the starter. So maybe he's coming over us and giving the NHL a shot. Yeah, it's a it's a different league. The shot angles are different. The the ice is bigger, so there's much more perimeter. The traffic in front of the net is not going to be as intense as it is in the NHL. The travel's not going to be the same. You know, he's going to have to fight through screens. and It's just, it's a it's a different league, obviously a different league. And, and all the best players in the world are here. So, you know, all of his numbers are being put up in a defensive league against weaker players. So there is a lot of proving to be done and, and on a team that I don't know is necessarily wants to be putting itself in a position where you're auditioning people who have never played in the league before at any at any level. Well, right. I think we've got to get back to the fact, too, that they, they've got a salary for Montoya. Yeah. Now, that's that's more the o- owner's problem, not the the team, because they can bury him in the contract and not a whole lot of his money counts against the cap. But, you're, you know, that's a million dollars that the owner spent on a goaltender who's going to be playing in Bakersfield mm-hmm. and taking up ice time against younger goalies that you might want to develop. And... Uh, he also gave up a draft choice for him. Now it's only a fourth round draft choice, but still a draft pick. He gave up for a guy that, you know, you've decided after nine games, you know, he can't play for your yeah. team. So. Yeah, and uh, yeah, on this list, there's a lot of players that have played well on other teams. And being goalie for the Oilers isn't always an easy job. You know, when the team's you know struggling a little bit defensively, it's a hard team to be the goalie for. When everything's going great, it's it's much easier, as is with the case with any team. But, you know, the Oilers have some struggles in their own ends. This year was a, a glaring example of it. And if they don't get that stuff shored up, then, you know, he's going to be in for a, a real test because, it's, like I said, it's not an easy team to be the goalie for. And, you know, for each of these goalies, Talbots, uh, Koskinen, and Montoya, each of them have a year left on their contracts. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Talbot responds, mm-hmm. not only because of a year being left but with Koskinen coming in so I would hope that if that is a you know a spur that would uh, go a long way if that's what it takes um, yeah. Goal, goaltending is weird that way like a player can work hard in the offseason and get in better shape a goalie's just just a goalie Talbot, Talbot's in incredible shape mm-hmm. I don't know how you know you're going to have to work harder you're going to have to short up goalies do get better but yeah this is going to definitely absolutely light a fire under them which is kind of the intent mm-hmm yeah, they, they're paying him at a very economical $4 million now for a starting goalie in the league. And I'm sure Cam is probably thinking, too, I'm going to get back to last year's Cam Talbot, and I'm going to be making $5.5 million a year, not four. And they'll sign him for probably four years. But if he, if he d- plays like this year's Cam Talbot, then probably all bets are off. I think Cam Talbot's a pretty good goalie myself. I don't think he's in the top half dozen goalies necessarily. 
because you know they have more longevity and they're you know they're just better on better teams. But I think he's he's a good National Hockey League goalie. You can certainly win you lots of games. Yeah, and he was what in Vezina yeah. voting last year was he fourth? So yeah, clearly he can play to that level. It's just a matter of finding a way to get him to play to that level again. Um, while I'm thinking about it, and while we were talking about angles in the KHL and the bigger ice size, Connor McDavid and friends are going to be on that ice in the World Championship. I didn't write that down on my list here, guys. It sort of came out of the blue. I thought, well, you know, Connor and McDavid's going to be playing in World Championships. And, uh, of course, he played with Canada two years ago when they won, as did Talbot. Uh, Of course, Talbot's not on the team this year. Not sure why. Maybe he wasn't invited? He was invited. He said no. Oh, I guess. Young children? Young children, and uh, they have Darcy Kemper and Curtis McElhenney as the goaltenders. I would suspect a lot of goalies have said no because they're both backup goaltenders. So um, neither one's been a starter in the NHL. So, what are we? Uh, I guess we'll probably see more of the same from McDavid at these World Championships that we saw two years ago. Mind you, he is two years older. Um, captain of the team. I know he's got Jaden Schwartz playing on his right wing with Nugent Hopkins. I'm sure they'd like to to put him in his equipment bag and bring <laughs> Jaden Schwartz back to the Oilers because he'd look pretty good on, yeah. on his right wing. Yeah. Um, sticking with the Oilers, of course, you know, since we last talked, uh, we had some coaching changes. Um, shuffling Jay Woodcroft to Bakersfield from being an assistant coach with the Oilers and letting go Jim Johnson and Ian Herbers. Um Todd McClellan's staying. Now, obviously, everybody's, you know, p- people watching the orders are wondering, okay, who's going to be standing behind the bench with McClellan next year? Do we expect to see movement on that before the draft, or are we going to see these pieces fall into place perhaps around July 1st? Or who knows? Go ahead, Rob. It's, yeah, I think like, when the contracts are up July, that's correct, right? The contracts are all up July 1st. So that's when you can officially be negotiating with people and unless you're asking somebody to be let out of their contract and you have permission. But, you know, I th- I think, like I was talking about earlier with the goalies, I think that they're going to bring in some assistants that might be head coach ready. Like I think if they've learned anything, it's you have to have a very strong staff. So you know, I think they're going to try and find, you know, whoever they can that, you know, if for some reason 20 games into the season – things aren't going the way the others want them to go then they'll have a person you know right there who can step in rather than starting having to begin a search 20 games into the season with a limited crop of people I think that's going to go into the thought process definitely and as, as for the assistants I mean we sat here two months ago and predicted this exact thing would happen that a couple of the assistants would be sacrificed and Todd would stay on and um, you know that they, they made a, a big production out of something that kind of everybody knew was going to happen in, in the first place I the, uh, this, the Woodcroft to Bakersfield is curious. If you're not necessarily doing a satisfactory job up here, they suddenly put you in charge of the AHL team and, and, and all the players that are coming up. It's a golden handshake. If you're going to fire a person, you fire them. If, if not, you don't. So, uh, you know, that is what it is. You know, if the post media wants to get rid of me, I hope they put me in charge of a small paper. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> We don't have any small papers <laughs> yeah, right. anymore, do we? It is. It, it's an. It's an odd reassignment. We have one in rubber boots, Saskatchewan. There you go. 
So, and the assistant, I, one of the assistant coaches they hire will be a former NHL coach, I think. And I think Trent Yanni will be on the staff. He was let go by Anaheim, and he's got a history with Todd already in San Jose, and he's been a head coach in Chicago, and he coaches defensemen. And uh, I think he'll be one of the coaches. Now, I agree with Rob. I think they should have a young guy on the staff, too, who has potential. And as we said a couple of weeks ago, there were two of those last year available, and, you know, and Rocky Thompson and, you know, Chris Knobloch, and they didn't hire either one of them. So I'm sure there's, there's, there's guys in junior, uh, perhaps, or, you know, in the American League, I think, can move up to the to the NHL as well so maybe they're looking for one of those sort of guys switching gears to the NHL playoffs in general big news today and it has been for the last few days is Tom Wilson and his hitting prowess or head hitting prowess um, he was suspended for three games he plays on the Capitals top line uh, you know the uh, left wing to Ovechkin's right and I'll ask you what you thought of his suspension. Should he be getting three games now? I mean, I know he's, that's the style, of, that's his game, is to hit people. But, and whether or not he's targeting the head, well, obviously that's been up for debates. And, you know, the NHL made its case saying it was, you know, clearly a head hit. He needs to be punished for that. But my big thing with watching hits in general I mean, especially this one on Ashton Reese of Pittsburgh. You can slow that. You can slow down tape all you want, but boy, the game is a fast game. And to think that where he's out there targeting heads all the time, I'm not. I'm not convinced. I thought the hit on Brian Dumoulin the previous game was a little more of a head hit. Anyway, what do you think about this? I think he's a head hunter. Sorry, I disagree. <laughs> I, every time I see Tom Wilson, I think the same thing. He's got suspended twice in the preseason. Mm. for hits to the head preseason uh i think the nhl just got tired of talking about tom wilson and said you're getting a three-game suspension other guys one game but we talk about you far too often so you're getting a three-game suspension and three games in the playoffs is like six or seven in the regular yeah. season it's double and i don't know why he has to do it to be honest he's a re- he's quite a good player he's a former first round draft choice he's quite a good player big strong guy he actually kind of plays a game like david backus plays in in Boston now and in St. Louis, big strong guy, but he can't. He has trouble walking the line, but just hit somebody without, you know, often hitting him in the head. So he's willing to fight and stuff. But I didn't have any problem with the three-game suspension, and I think it had more to do with what he his history with the NHL player safety than this specific incident. Yeah, he's he's got a rap sheet, and then just even in the playoffs already, he's like you said, he's had a couple of. And these guys, you lose the benefit of the doubt after a while. You know, you've you know you've been suspended a couple of times already, and okay, that one on Dublin now is kind of borderline, and then there's another one that's kind of borderline. Well, two or three borderline ones in a row from a guy with a record equals three games, and I don't I don't mind it. Like I, to some extent, this whole headshot thing is a little bit, you know, settled down. It's, it's you know, people get hit in the head every once in a while. It's not you know. So I'm not I'm not a person who cries every time somebody's you know the initial point of contact is here and it and it rides up and hits you in the head. It's, it's, those are the breaks. It's it's a tough game, but somebody who has a history you know even in these playoffs of of you know not quite a pick but close enough that you that you have to look at it. You know you lose the benefit of the doubt after a couple of three in a row. Well, any player who who has a history 
uh, with the league, you're always watching the game thinking, okay, what's Tom Wilson going to do tonight? And it was that way with Matt Cook. It was that way with Rafi Torres. Both good players. And for some reason, they, you know, they just couldn't keep it on the right side of the, of the line. And they got suspended a lot. And certainly Rafi got suspended almost every time he played a game, it seemed like. So Rafi uh, was crazy. <laughs> he was, you know, he was, you know. I, 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 I always get a kick out of the When a guy hits somebody and he's on your team, the guys on your team are going, well, you know, I didn't really think it was that bad. I didn't think it was bad. You know, and he's on the you know, the other team. That's the dirtiest guy in the world. And you know, for Pittsburgh, I think you know th- the old glass houses. I don't think you can be criticizing Tom Wilson when Matt Cook used right. to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins, I don't think you could be saying this guy's the dirtiest guy in the league right now because Matt Cook was, and he played for Pittsburgh, and they didn't mind Matt Cook. A lot of fans there. I don't know yeah. if Ashton Reese is you know three inches taller. No, I don't even know if we're talking about it mm-hmm. because to me. You know, we can't have height restrictions in the NHL. You can't be. This isn't a continental basketball league where you have to be six foot six or less or whatever. I know um, one thing: there's no hitting in the regular season. There's only hitting in the playoffs. So that's when the, they're looking at it a little more se- severely. Hardly any hitting. Hmm. Nothing as ferocious as you see in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. If, if you're and if you're if you're taking out fighting, you have to protect the players. Like you know, the, if a guy was running around and hitting, you know, even clean, but just a little bit too hard. Or you can injure somebody with a clean hit. Somebody would go out and scrap them, settle them down. That avenue doesn't exist anymore, so the league has to take it upon itself to just settle these guys down a little bit. So Wilson can look at it and say, okay, you know, I, I, I can still go out and deliver some hits, but I, I do have to, I do have to calm down just a touch. I mean, you, know, you wouldn't I, be doing it if, if, you know, Reeves, Ryan right. Reeves was still playing for Pittsburgh and dressing for the games. I don't think, but Reeves is now not dressing for Vegas, so. Um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because as we both agree, he's he's quite a good player. You know, he's he's not a star by any stretch, but he's got some ability. And but he spends an inordinate amount of time in a game, whether it's suspended or not, in the penalty box for for stuff he's done. Bill Torrey passed away today, or at least it was announced today. Eighty-seven years old. He was the architect of the uh, original New York Islanders. He was their first general manager back in 1972 and he constructed the team that won four Stanley Cups a few years later with the likes of uh, Dennis Potvin, Mike Bossy, Brian Trotche, Billy Smith, etc. Um, of course, he was a contemporary of uh, Glenn Sather, the Oilers general manager, obviously from that era, and um, you know, you know, big dynasty team in the NHL. Uh, I don't know, I just... Maddie, obviously, you've uh, you've all well, you think you both have dealt with Bill Torrey, but obviously, Maddie, your uh, history goes back to when the Oilers came into the NHL. And tell me, your, what are your recollections and memories of Bill Torrey? Uh, he, he he was kind of Glenn Sather's mirror image. I thought they both liked to smoke cigars. They both built excellent teams with really good drafting. You know, you mentioned the Islander players, and then Sather, of course, had you know Gretzky and Messier and Curry and stuff. And uh, both really smart guys, but they didn't, you know, they weren't the smartest guy in the room. They never had to tell you how smart they were. And uh, they had some, you know, interesting interaction between the Oilers and the Islanders back in the day and about practice times. And, and uh, you know, I know when the Oilers went to uh, uh, the island in the playoffs, suddenly 
Rod Phillips was doing the games, and he may as well have been doing them from New Jersey because he was so far away. I mean, they stuck him in a corner almost in a washroom. <laughs> you know? Slap the table down on a couple of chairs. A couple of chairs. Was that on purpose? Here's your. Yeah, Rod thought it was. He was really <laughs> mad. Uh, this is his broadcast location, so he was, you know, trouble with when they came to Edmonton. There was no place like that in Edmonton. It was a circular press box, so you know, unless he stuck him at one end where the gold judges were. So, yeah, he 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 played a lot of games too, like say there. But I really I really liked him. I I like a. A, a general manager who's confident in what he does and is more than willing to talk to other media people and whoever's at the rink and you got a question oh yeah he, so I liked him and he built a heck of a hockey team oh that that team was incredible you look at the, like he had everything covered you had the the offensive two-way center two-way center in Trotche you had the sniper in Bossy you had the toughness the tough guy who could play in Clark Gillies you had uh, tenacious guy in Nystrom. You had the defenseman in Potvin. You had the goalie in Smith. And he put all of that together from scratch. It wasn't like the you know, Montreal Canadiens fake dynasties where they had the territorial draft rights and they just took all the players from the, the Quebec area. This this guy had to do it you know, from scratch as an expansion team. And he put together one of the great programs of all time. So you know, I, I, mean, I was kind of in high school when, when the Islander dynasty was winding down. Sorry, Matty. <laughs> but... You know that was an incredible team then and still is. Like the, it was just strong from start to finish. And I, and he was a, you know, he was a colorful guy. He carried himself well. That team carried itself well. It was a, it was a great organization, and he was the the godfather of it. And would the orders would say there have been, you know, obviously taking notes and seeing what I the owners were doing. Was kind of a disciple of yeah yeah. You know, because he was, you know, ten twelve years younger than Bill Torrey. So I think he in his own way looked up to Tory the way he built the team and they're pretty strong-willed guys when it came to and two strong-willed teams too um built almost in the image of both guys you know yeah, it's like the like the the Oilers made the Flames better the Islanders made the Oilers better they looked across the street and said okay well if we want to be we got to be we got to be like those guys and that you know the the building blocks were the blueprint was right there for them and say they respected that team and that guy enough to fall and he you know bill he drafted all those terrific players and then when it came time to make one trade he traded for butch goring and you know four cups so he needed another center and that uh, was the piece they and needed. that was the piece they needed so he was also very good at spotting other other you know players and other teams as well taking guys off the scrap heap as it were Although that helmet Butch Coring wear was was a piece of scrap, was, he wore the same one the yeah. whole time, right? Just painted it. Yeah. Just painted it. <laughs> yeah, I was marvel at that. Of course, Bill Torrey went on to uh, you know, left the Islanders in the early nineties, and he was with the Panthers there yeah. pretty much their whole entire existence. And uh, I don't remember if he was the general manager uh, at the beginning there, but the Panthers did make the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah. Amazingly, ninety-six, three years he, after. Yeah, he was there more as a advisor, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he still had lots of hockey smarts. He was on the selection committee for the Hockey Hall of Fame for years, and uh, he's still a sharp guy. Still paid attention to who was playing in the league and stuff. And you know, he, every now and then you could call him up about something, and uh, he, you know, he knew players, so he never lost that. You know. He, he was a hockey lifer. You know, you like to see guys that seem to be built for hanging around a rink, you know, and like going to the practices and would hang around. So. And he was a uh, bow tire wearer, too. 
I haven't seen too many bow ties, no. but I'd never seen a guy wear that many different bow ties in my life. You know, every day, you know, he'd have a nice suit on and a bow tie. And that's what the, you know, in, you know, they retired the bow tie and the architect. That's, in, uh, you know, that's his uh, his thing up on the rafters in, uh, in Long Island. Yeah, I'm sure he tied those things, too. I'll bet you they weren't even clip-ons. No, they like weren't he clip-ons. He was full-on oh, tying was, a bow tie. He was full-on, baby. He, he's the kind of guy that you you go into a bar and he'd be drinking scotch, yeah. you know, and he'd have his bow tie undone, and you know, sitting in a sports jacket and drinking scotch. Yeah, and modest scotch probably too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, none of this single malt. No, stuff. it would be good scotch. That's our Oil Spills podcast for today. You can listen to our show via iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. I'm Craig Ellingson. Talk to you soon. <laughs>